Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Man, thank you so much for your giving. Welcome to week number five of All In. Uh, again, truly honored that you're here. I've really enjoyed this series so much uh, the last four or five weeks, and, and even Pastor Ken tied it into the revival services. Um, the kingdom of God was the message that Jesus preached. That's what we've learned in this series. And we've also talked about the fact that Jesus was not a religious figure, but he was a political figure. He is a king who brought a kingdom. And a lot of us, we, we only think in terms of uh, religion, but he's, he brought us a kingdom. And so that's what we've been talking about. Um, as we obey certain spiritual laws and principles, you and I have the ability to bring heaven into our earth. Now, a lot of believers don't live with that kind of authority or power, uh, but that's sad considering that Jesus came to make that of a, It's not just that we get to go to heaven, it's that we have the power to bring heaven into the earth. Um, and the, the message of the kingdom, as we've learned, it's not for the spiritually immature, um, people who are, uh, what the writer of Hebrews said, uh, on the milk, they have a hard time with this message. The modern church don't preach this message uh, very often. Um, but we need to talk about the message Jesus preached, which is the kingdom of God and how it applies to our life. Um, so far in this series, I have challenged you Every week. How many of you would say that you've been challenged in this series? Have you been challenged? Now, that's a good thing. I want to challenge you at times, but I want to I switch gears today and not so much challenge you, but I, I want you to leave here understanding the keys God has given you, and I want you to leave here not being challenged, but be, uh, leave here being inspired to bring heaven into the earth and, and some practical ways to do that. Um, and so I want to just call this understanding keys. Understanding keys. Every nation and, and civil society functions on laws and customs that make that society work. The result is a culture of laws and principles that serve as regulations, as morals, as standards that will govern a citizen's relationship with the authority structure. How many know that the authority structure and the citizens have to get along at some level? Like if there's no government, no relationship, no principles, no laws, everybody does what they want to do, and there's no consequences for anything, how many know that's chaos, right? There has to be a relationship between the structure and the citizens. So in essence, all nations, all kingdoms, uh, contain principles and laws that have to be adhered to by the citizens to maintain a relationship with those who are in power. Now, with that being said, Jesus also talked about this, but he called it, these principles, he called it the keys of the kingdom. Everybody say the keys of the kingdom. All right. Now, how many of you would say this today that you have ever found some old keys lying around your house that you didn't know what they went to. Come on, we've all been there, right? Like we find a stack of keys and we're like, I don't remember what this unlocks. I don't know what door this goes to. 
Uh, and it's that moment when you realize we probably need to change all the locks, right? We need to change it all up. Because if you possess a key and you don't know what door it unlocks, then how many? that's just as bad as not having any keys. Like, it, it, there's no difference. You may have a key, but you don't know how to use it. And so I believe that is the problem with a lot of believers. I think um, many of us, we don't understand the fact that God has given us keys that are meant to be a blessing in our life, but we don't know how to utilize the, those keys. And I think uh, there's a couple of reasons for that. Uh, to, to utilize the, the keys of the kingdom, I think we have to know two things. Number one, you got to know the word. I'm going to say that again. you got to know the word and how it applies to you. How many know? Because it's not your word that's going to change anything. It's God's word. So i got to know his word and how to apply it. All right, that, that results in effective living, but I also got to have the proper kingdom mindset. Pastor Ken did a beautiful job talking about kingdom identity. When you know who you are, you understand that you have a right to certain things. And so for a lot of believers, we have to change our mindset. Got to know the word and change our mind. So let's look at this. Life in the kingdom is really about returning to the governing authority of God in the earth and learning how to live and function in that authority. Every day we are tempted to do it the world's way, all right, or we can do it God's way, right? We, there's a choice we have to make every day to operate by the world's system or to operate in the kingdom of God. And God very much wants you to live and function in the authority that he has given us. Luke 12, 32, Jesus said, Do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So God has given us the kingdom. It is ours. But many of us are not acting like it. When we're presented with challenges and problems and stuff, instead of using our keys, most of us, Whine, complain, and bellyache. And we wonder why all of heaven doesn't come down and change our world. It's because he has given you authority to bring heaven into the earth. You have to do something in the natural to create something, to, to make something in the spiritual move. First the natural, then the spiritual. Most of us live like this. First the spiritual, and then the natural. We want God to do it. We want to sit in our spiritual lazy boy, not, not, not utilize the keys he has given us, and then expect God to show up and move on our behalf. It doesn't work that way. We have to operate in it first, first the natural, then the spiritual. As kingdom citizens, we have rights, we have benefits, and we have privileges. Some of us need to be reminded today that you are a child of the king. And you are a citizen of heaven. And in heaven there is no lack, there is no sickness, there's no depression, there's no frustration, there's no anger, there's no bitterness, there's no offense. There's none of that in heaven, and you have access to all of it. You can bring that into your earth. It's a right, it's a privilege, it's a benefit of being a child of God. Now, how do we appropriate these rights? How do we enjoy the fullness of what Jesus has made available. Um, one day, Jesus asked his disciples, his, his 12, he asked them a very important question, probably the most important question that he ever asked. In Matthew 16, it says, when Jesus came, 
into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said to them, But who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So Peter is confessing that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Now, the first thing you got to know is that he was not saying, I'm going to build my church on Peter. Cussing Peter, denying Christ Peter, chopping people's ears off Peter. How many of you know he wasn't building his church on Peter? He was building his church on what Peter got. That he is the Christ because he said, you didn't get that on your own. That is supernatural revelation. And on that revelation that I am the Christ, the son of the living God, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it or overpower it. Now, Jesus says, I'm going to build my church. The, the Greek word for church is, is the word ekklesia. Everybody say ekklesia. Ekklesia. All right, you learned some Greek today. Ecclesia is not a religious term. A lot of people think because it's translated as church, then it's a religious term. It's not a religious term at all. It's a government term, all right? It, it, it's a powerful term. Ecclesia is, is talking about government. It literally means those who are called out and, and not only called out, but it, it, it represented with the Greeks those who made up the Senate, those who made up the political groups. Um, so when we gather together, you need to understand God is saying, it, it, we think in terms of church, we think in terms of religion, but Jesus was not thinking about that at all. He was saying when my people gather together, they are coming together not just as a church, they're coming together as my government in the earth. That, that they are going to be an extension of my kingdom in the earth. I want to say it like this. When we come together to lift up the name of Jesus, we are called the called out ones, the ecclesia. This is the gathering of rulers. Hit your neighbor and say, start acting like it. Come on, you, you acting like a beggar and a pauper, and he said that you are the gathering of, of rulers in the Roman Empire, the Senate. The ecclesia was like the cabinet of modern-day democracy, okay? The Senate was the powerhouse. These individuals were handpicked by the emperor, all right? Hand, come on, hit your neighbor and say, you were handpicked by God. All right, they were handpicked by the emperor, and they were called to receive the emperor's thoughts, his desires, his passion, and his intent. Their job was to take the mind of the emperor... And, and then turn it into legislation that would be implemented in the kingdom. In other words, whatever was on the emperor's mind, 
they would go and carry out because they had proximity to the emperor. You and I need to know as the gathering of rulers that we are in relationship with God who is running a kingdom. All other kingdoms will bow to his kingdom and we are the rulers who are to hear his passions, his thoughts, his intent and then you and I are to go and to implement change in the earth by bringing a little bit of heaven into our earth. Come on, somebody. We are called... Binding and loosing, it's legislation, guys. It's talking about what we will permit and what we won't. Well, whatever will be, Pastor, will be. Yeah, in your world. But if you get tired of the same old, same old, maybe you'll wake up to who you really are and say depression has to go. Poverty has to go. Sickness has to go. I have the ability to bring heaven into the earth. So the word church is a political term, not a religious term. The entire discussion about keys, binding and loosing, not religious stuff. It's political stuff. It's government. I I hate using the word political because everybody has a negative uh, connotation when it comes to political. But I am talking more about kingdom and government. Everybody with me? i got to slow down or I'm going to kick something today, all right? So Jesus is saying... The same way Caesar is Lord, all right, they called him Lord then, and he's Lord of his government and has created his senate, his ecclesia, Jesus said, I'm going to build my government, I'm going to build my senate, I'm going to build my cabinet, I will build my administrators to carry out my wishes and my will in the earth. How many of this is, this is a big responsibility. We are co-laborers with Christ. That means I can't sit in a spiritual lazy boy and, help, and, and just expect God to do what God wants to do. God will not do what he wants to do until he finds a man in the earth or woman. So God's will is not automatically done. He will not override his own word. His, own word. his word becomes law. God has given us authority over the earth. So if the kingdom is going to come, he's got to have some people in the earth that come into agreement with that kingdom. See, the, the, the problem in the, in the modern church is we want, we want everything to come from a preacher. We want everything to come from a powerful preacher. But I, I said a few weeks ago, God is not interested in raising up a powerful preacher. God is interested in raising up a powerful people. And there's a big difference. Moses, under his leadership, the children of Israel, was completely dependent on Pastor Moses. Everything they got came through him. But when Moses died, Joshua took the responsibility to lead, and Joshua was not interested in being everybody's sugar daddy and leading them and getting everything done for them. Joshua had the ability to mobilize not a person, but the people. And once the people got unified under one vision and understood that this power is not for one person, it's for a powerful people, how many know they didn't spend very long in the wilderness once they all got mobilized and understood who they were. They started walking right into the promises of God, not as a person, but as a people. So that's what God wants to do. But you got to know who you are. So the kingdom... The, the, the message of the kingdom, Jesus said that there are keys not to the kingdom, keys of the kingdom. Very important. I don't need keys to the kingdom. Why? Because I'm in the kingdom. Right? Jesus has brought us into the kingdom. So we don't need keys to it. 
We need the keys of the kingdom so that we can do what Jesus did. Look at Luke 8, verse 10. It says, and he said, to you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to the rest it is given in parables. Jesus is telling us, those outside of this, they don't understand us. All right? But he goes on, he said, seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. The kingdom of heaven is not a secret society, but the keys have to be learned. All right? Hit your name and say, we have to grow in it. There's some things you got to learn. Miracles, all right? How many miracles are, um, a, a, let, let, me, let me clarify this. A secret is anything that you don't know, but somebody else does. Right? Secret. Miracles fit into that category. All right? And let me explain what I'm talking about. Um, a miracle is something that we cannot explain. It's something that, def that defies the laws of nature. When the disciples walked with Jesus, they saw him do what was in their head as miracles. Like they, they, they looked at it and said, those are miracles. Because they watched him raise dead people up, walk on water, cast demons out, heal, heal sick. But he, they watched him do amazing things. But what you need to know this morning is those things were not miracles in the mind of Jesus. Jesus was just thinking, I'm using my keys. Jesus was not surprised at one dead person who got up. He was not surprised at one sick body that got healed. He knew how to use his keys, and he was able to unlock health and prosperity and peace and all these things because Jesus was operating with the keys of the kingdom. Now, that's great. We celebrate Jesus, but he said something that we have to think about. John 14. John 14, I want you to get this. Most, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. Ask your neighbor, are you doing that? Some of you are like, oh my. Greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father, and whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. So the ecclesia, which includes you and I, the church, we are called to do the same things Jesus did, all right, and greater things than Jesus did because it would no longer be Christ with us, but it would be Christ in us. Through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, we would have 24-7 access to all that's in heaven. All right, you following me? So the works he did, we are to do also. But he, he gave us a comforter. He gave us power through the Holy Spirit. And he's also given us the keys by which to bring heaven on earth. One of the significant keys in this passage is praying in the name of Jesus. How many know that's the name we pray in? He said, anything you ask in my name, that will I do. What you have to understand about that, though, is that we are not asking things that, for things that are gratifying to the flesh we're asking for things that are in accordance with God's word and God's will. So I'm not just praying for stuff because I want a new car and I would really like a brand new uh, Range Rover. 
Lord, I pray in Jesus' name, give me a Range Rover. Nothing wrong with having one. But I'm just saying that's not the kind of prayers you're praying when you're in close relationship with God. When you're in close relationship with God, you are praying for things that are in accordance with God's will. And so that's why you can ask and it will be done because when you're close to the king, right, you're asking for things that the king has already said is his will to do. So we pray in his name. Now, he taught the disciples on several different occasions on how to use their key. Okay, he taught them. They didn't often, often see it, what he was doing. They just thought, he's leaving us out here and we don't have a clue. But he was actually testing them. One of the tests was when Jesus with five loaves and two fish. You remember when he fed the 5,000 people not counting women and children? Check this out. This is awesome. I love this. This just, just screamed at me this week. Matthew 14. They had been with, these crowds had been with Jesus all day long, listening to him teach. They're tired and they're hungry, okay? Tired and hungry people are not fun to hang out with. And the 12, the 12 suggested, let's send the 5,000 away, right? Like, we're done. They're tired and hungry, we're done. Let's send them away. Jesus had something different in mind. Look at this. Matthew 14. 16 through 21, it says, Jesus said to them, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. And they're like, we've got a few mints. They are thinking, what? Come on, in our language, do, do, do you not see we have nothing? I mean, we... What, what, how do we feed 5,000? That's not counting the women and children. What do you mean you want us to feed them? They said to him, here's what they said. We have here only five loaves and two fish. He said, bring them here to me. And he took and commanded the multitudes to sit down on the grass and he took the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke and gave the, the loaves to the disciples the disciples gave it to the multitudes, so they all ate and were filled, and they took up 12 baskets full of fragments that remained. Now, those who had eaten were about 5,000 men besides women and children. Jesus used this, this um, situation in the disciples' life to see if they had picked up on what he had been teaching. He said, you feed them. And they said, all we have is dot, dot, dot. What we have to do, when we, when we understand that we are a part of the kingdom and we have access to heaven's resources, we will never again say, all I have is. Because little is much when God is in it. If you notice, Jesus didn't say, what do y'all have? He said, you feed them. He was trying to see, will they operate in a key? Will they understand that we don't have to live limited by what we see. How many of you figured out we don't live by sight? We walk by faith. Jesus wanted them to learn how to use a key so that they would never again have to say, all we have is 
whatever that is. Look at the progression. Jesus looked up toward heaven, gave thanks. He put in the key of prayer, and he unlocked the warehouse of heaven. He broke the bread, gave it to his disciples, and they helped pass it out. Now, what Jesus is wanting us to know, according to John 14, what he did, we should do also. All we, what, what we usually focus on is what we don't have. But when you're in the kingdom, you have resources that you don't even know about. You have resources that you don't even know about. Now, what I'm going to do, I, I, I prepared 14 points. And then I realized in the 830 service, I can only do seven. And I barely got six and seven in, okay? But I'm going to give you seven keys, all right? I was going to do seven keys and then seven characteristics. I'm just going to give you seven keys, okay, to the keys of the kingdom. Number one, keys, all right, they represent authority. Everybody say authority. If you possess a key to a place, all right, to a house, to a building, that means that you have authority in that place. If your boss entrusts you with a key to the office or store, by doing that, your boss is saying that you have authority. He has delegated a certain amount of authority to you over that place. How many know if you have a key to your house, the house you live in, you have a key to it, how many know you have authority there? Nobody can tell you when to come and go. It's your house, bless God. I'll come and go as I please, right? I got a key. It's mine. Same with your car. Nobody's going to tell you when and how and how, you know, when you can drive, you have a key. You have authority over that vehicle. Christ is telling us that I have given you keys of the kingdom of heaven, which means that you and I have authority in heaven, the same authority that Jesus has. What an awesome gift. The second thing that keys represent is access. And I love this one. A key gives you instant access to whatever it opens. You have access to it. The secret is knowing what does that key open. The keys of the kingdom of heaven gives us immediate access to all the resources of heaven. We just have to know how to use them. So many times we limit ourselves by trusting or believing only in what we can see, not understanding that we have access to resources that you cannot see. For instance, you get laid off from work. You got kids and a wife. What's the first reaction usually? We, we're stressed out, right? How are we going to provide? How are we going to take care? As a kingdom citizen, you need to know you might get laid off. You might not have a job. You may not have a check tomorrow. You may have a family to, to, to feed. All of that may be true. But as a kingdom citizen, you need to know you are not limited to that paycheck God has resources that you don't know about, and if you'll use your key, you may not have a job, but God can still pay your bills. Some of you have experienced that. You've gone through seasons where you didn't know how you were going to make ends meet, and guess who showed up? God and his resource. Why? Because heaven, listen, heaven is not going through a depression. Heaven will not go bankrupt. Heaven does not need a government bailout. Somebody, come on, help me this morning. Heaven doesn't need anybody else's help. It's got everything you need. You just got to tap into it. Reminds me of the story of the pagan king who sent for Elisha. 
he sent an entire army to, to deal with Elisha in 2 Kings chapter 6. Check this out. It says, when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, alas, my master, what shall we do? So he answered, this is what Elisha said to his servant. They're surrounded. And Elisha says, don't fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. The, tense, uh, the, the servant's like, have you looked outside? My, my nine-year-old picked up on this. I'm going to go ahead and use it right here. It's just me and you, brah. I don't know what bra is, but I think he mean bro, but it's bra now. Have you looked outside? There's an army all around us. What do you mean there is more for us than against us? And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray that you would open up his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened up the, the eyes of the young man and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. So when the Syrians came down to him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, Strike this people, I pray, with blindness. And he struck them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. First the natural, then the spiritual. So they're surrounded by an army, but Elisha has a key that his servant don't know about. He was tapping into a kingdom that his servant couldn't see. And though they are surrounded by a natural army, Elisha sees the armies of God surrounding. What is it that's, that's attacking you and you think there's more against you than for you, that, but God is just wanting to open up your eyes so that you can see for yourself that there is a whole kingdom of heaven surrounding you right now and what the devil has meant for evil, God will turn around for your good. You just got to use your key. We have keys of the kingdom. They represent, thirdly, Ownership. Possession of a key gives you ownership of whatever that key opens. Therefore, when you possess the keys of the kingdom of heaven, you have ownership of heaven on earth. Jesus said, what, whatever things you bind, whatever things you loose. What does that mean, Pat? It means he's put it in your court. You can be broke, busted, and disgusted all the days of your life, or you can use your key. Y'all okay? Are you getting this? That means that you should never judge your life by the circumstances. Never judge it by the circumstances. There's always something bigger going on around you that you cannot see. Number four, they represent control. If you possess the key to something, you control it. If you have the keys to a business, you can decide I'm going to open at 7 or I'm going to open at 9. I ain't going in today. It's raining. Right? You get to decide. You have control because you have keys. A great example of that is not Elisha but Elijah. The Bible says that there, there was an, a terrible drought so much that people were dying. And Elijah meets a widow who is gathering up sticks to fix one last meal, she, she, she says with her own mouth, we're going we're gonna to eat one more meal and then we're going to die. And Elijah shows up and he asks for a drink of water and a piece of bread. 
Now, how many know if you find a widow and her son getting ready to make their last meal and die, you probably shouldn't ask for some water and bread? Sounds ridiculous. But look at verses 12 through 16 of 1 Kings 17. It says, so she said, as the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar, and I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, do not fear, go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first and bring it to me. Could you imagine if we were in that kind of drought and I went and said, bake me a cake first? With social media and newspaper, pastor takes widow's last meal. Come on, somebody. I mean, this doesn't make any sense. It says, the bin of, you, you know what people would say. The bin of flour shall not be used up, nor the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. So she went away and did according to the word of Elijah. And she and he and her household ate for many days. The bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Elijah. When Elijah said, bake me a cake first, he was not being selfish. He was offering her a key. Give, and it shall be given. Come on, somebody. you got to follow. This is spiritual. It doesn't make sense on paper. doesn't make sense in the natural. But he was offering her a key, and the Bible says she took the key, baked him a cake first, and guess what didn't happen? The flour didn't run out. The oil didn't run out, and it sustained them all the way through the drought. I'm telling you, we serve a God that can sustain you when it looks like you don't have the resources. Man, this, this stuff pumps me up because I realize we're not limited by what we see. The fifth thing is authorization, similar to, number one, authority. But authorization means to be given the authority to act in the name uh, or in the stead of whoever gave you the, the authority. The boss authorized me to do this. God has authorized you to do some stuff, but a lot of us are sitting on our hands. He's given you authority to do some things, to change some things, but you gotta, you got to use your key. By giving us keys of the kingdom of heaven, Jesus gives us power to influence heaven. That as we move here, God moves there. you got to act in his name, though. You've been given authorization. Number six, keys represent power. Power. The keys to your house give you power to come and go. When Jesus gave us the keys of the kingdom of heaven, he gave us power. These signs shall follow those that believe, right? They shall cast out devils and heal the sick. They will do all these great things. Why? Because he's given us keys. Those keys represent power. This means that the king does not want you and I living, living as victims. I can feel sorry for you for a little while. But about the fourth time you come into my office and you're belly aching about your problems, I'm done. And that doesn't make me a bad pastor. At some point, you got to put, put on your big boy pants, your big girl pants, take ownership for where you are, but realize you're a child of a king, you're the citizen of the kingdom. The Father does not want you to live as a victim. But you know what? Some people are so in love with their problems because you know why? Because they're always, they're always the center of attention. Every time you see them, it's like, 
see them in Walmart, and I take off sprinting out the door. <laughs> Pastor's running quick because I already know what's coming. I've heard it 73 times. That doesn't make me mean. At what point are you going to be who God's called you to be? But some of us would rather have the attention of the people feeling sorry for us than living victorious in the earth by bringing heaven into the earth because God has given us power. Yay! Come on. Number seven. I can't do that. I wish I could. Number seven. Number seven. This is the last one. Way out of time here. Keys represent freedom. When you have keys, you're free to go in and go out, lock, unlock, all that's true. Great example of that is Jesus on the boat. The Bible says that a storm hit, and these were professional fishermen, but they thought they were going to die. So you know it was severe. But while the storm is raging, the Bible says Jesus, what was he doing? Sleeping. Same like with Elijah and the servant. Like, have you looked outside? Do you realize we're surrounded? I mean, the disciples are saying, why are you sleeping? Why, why are you laying there? We, we, we're going to die. This, this is serious. And Matthew 8 says, the disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us. We are perishing. But he said to them, why are you fearful? Oh, you have little faith. And he arose, rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. So the men marveled, saying, who can this be that even the winds and the sea obey him? And I love this because when Jesus said, oh, you have little faith, you know what he was really saying? He was really saying, what's the matter? Where are your keys? I think he was sleeping because he fully expected them to get up and do something. No different than when, when the boy came uh, that was demonized and the disciples could not cast the demon out Jesus wasn't there I think that was a test do you know how what did Jesus do he cast the demon out of the little boy and then he taught him a, a, a key this kind doesn't come out unless you pray and fast the 5,000 they don't have any money any food you feed them every one of those was an opportunity for the disciples to learn how to use a key all right? And he's a good teacher because he doesn't just tell them to do it. When they can't do it, what does he do? He models it. He says, here's how. If you want to be a great leader, model it. Man, this is good. Come on, hit your neighbor and say, he's giving you the keys. Now hit him back and say, use your key. Did you guys get something from the word today? I got to stop right there. Would you stand with me? Stand with me. As the Worship team returns. I had three more pages of notes, just so you know. Overprepared. We'll come back and hit those seven maybe another time. Those other seven I wanted to touch base with. But in this moment, I know we got to get ready for another service and all that, but I, I would be missing it if I did not give you the opportunity to make Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life. So I'm going to ask that you just bow your heads, close your eyes. No one looking around. If you're in this place or watching online and you would say, Pastor, that's me. I need to be saved. I need my sins forgiven. I, I, I need to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I know I need to do that, and I want to do that. If that's you, would you just throw your hand up right there where you are? Say, that's me. I want to make Jesus the Lord 
of my life. Thank you for this hand here. God bless you. Anyone else? If you're watching online, we would love to pray with you as well. Anyone else? Thank you for that hand back there. God bless you. God sees it. Anyone else before we pray? Thank you for that hand. God bless you. God bless you. Come on, every voice lifted. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I ask you to forgive me for all of my sins. Come into my heart. Today, I confess you as my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, celebrate those individuals that made a decision for Christ. Amen. If you made that, that decision, there's a connect card in the seat back in front of you. We don't want to embarrass you, but we do want to connect with you and help you on your journey, help you take your next step. If you would take a moment to fill that out, you can fill it out and leave it in your seat. All you have to do is give us your name and that you uh, are committing to Christ today. It's on the card. Leave it in your seat. Our staff will get it after service, and uh, we would just love to come alongside you and help you take your next step. Amen. God bless you today. Glad you were here. Our prayer team and staff is coming now. We've got one more song we're going to do and give you an opportunity to receive prayer. Uh, as they come out uh, and prepare for you, can we give God the best praise we have all day? Come on, let's just thank you, Jesus. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.